Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, congratulations. You're about to arrive to the right place. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the Ellen and Aaron's Force for Podcast. Are you ready for it? Now, here is Ellen and Aaron. All right, we are in 2022, everybody. Welcome to the first uh, show for 2022 for the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk podcast. Definitely glad to have you with us uh, here tonight. Got a lot of stuff to get to. Uh, three weeks have gone by since our last show of 2021. Hopefully, everybody had a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year. Nobody blew their fingers off with fireworks. Everybody's good. And we're here to talk about sports again. Alan, good evening. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for asking. Really appreciate it. Yeah, it was a nice uh, little vacation. It was a great way to end the year and then start the new one. I'm glad to be back here on the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show with you, my friend. Definitely glad to be back here. We had a great year in 2021, and we fully anticipate an even bigger and better year here in 2022. Um, as I mentioned, though, it's been three weeks since we – Last, uh, you know, graced everyone here on the airwaves uh, that listened into us. And a lot of things have happened since then. Um, obviously, the holidays are behind us now. Uh, big, big news broke here uh, just a few days after Christmas. And that was, uh, unfortunately, uh, probably one of the most impactful people in the history of the NFL. John Madden, 85 years old, uh, passed away um, kind of out of out of the blue, wasn't expected. And I don't know if you um, had a chance, uh, Alan, but uh, Christmas Day on Fox, I want to say it was around 3 o'clock that day, they had an hour and a half uh, special on Fox. Um, this is before John Madden passed away, of course, uh, on his career, how he became a broadcaster, how he went from being a very successful NFL head coach, winning a Super Bowl with the Raiders, of course, back in the uh, mid to late 70s, and then kind of worked his way over to the other side doing, you know, the, the, the broadcast side of things and how he became so popular. And I remember watching the whole thing. It was kind of my childhood almost in that because I grew up, you know, it was John Madden, Pat Summerall, and uh, towards the end it was John Madden and uh, Al Michaels uh, there with uh, NBC on the Sunday night games. So it was really, really crazy a few days after that aired to see that he had passed away suddenly. Um, and what an impact this guy made on football in, just in general. I mean, he, he was the personified version of football. I don't think there's anybody in the league that has ever had the kind of impact that he had because of the knowledge he had as a, a former coach and then, of course, as a commentator. And I don't know, you played this probably when you were a little bit younger too. Uh, the Madden football game has always been one of the most popular uh, games out there on all the different consoles. So tell me what John Madden meant to you. Yeah, you mentioned some great things about John Madden and and definitely, you know, his impact as a coach, as a guy that was very knowledgeable of the game is something that really can't be described in words. One thing about John Madden is that he was the type of coach and, and commentator that would always highlight the Darryl Johnstons, the guys, the grunge guys that people would overlook throughout the course of the game, you know, usually when you're playing a game, you're paying attention to the superstars and the big names. 
Well, John Gruden, I'm sorry, John Madden, excuse me, basically highlighted the guys that basically you would not hear about, you didn't know about. And he would say, you know, this guy is somebody I want to have on my team because he throws a great block. You know, he's a team player because he makes sure that and that's what I love about John Madden is that he did not overlook those people on the field. And that was part of being successful was making the John Madden all Madden team. Yeah. And playing the game. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say, uh, you made a very good point there. You know, Daryl Johnson, he wasn't known as Daryl Johnson after John, John Madden got a hold of him in the early 90s. He was known as Moose, you know. And then Nate Newton, obviously, would not have been known the way that he was had it not been for, for John Madden. And I think the reason that Madden was so good at illustrating those things to the fans and to the people he was speaking to in the airwaves is because he knew when he coached in the 70s with the Raiders, yeah, he knew the big stars on his team. He knew the, the quarterback and the receivers and the running backs and so on and so forth. But he knew those guys wouldn't have been able to get to where they were had it not been for the, the intricate pieces, the linemen, the the center, you know, the different guys that are, like you said, throwing those blocks, those, those things, you know, you look at the, the people who benefited from somebody like a Nate Newton, and it would be, um, you know, somebody like an Emmett Smith. I mean, Emmett Smith had a great line blocking for him. He would not have set the records he did uh, with Dallas in the years he was there had it not been for those pieces that were in place there. So those guys deserve a lot of credit. And I think it's great that John Madden was able to, to highlight those things, uh, highlight those individuals, because, you know, being a lineman, that's not the sexy thing in sports. The sexy thing in sports is the, the quarterback, the receiver, the, the, the defensive, uh, you know, cornerbacks, um, maybe a tight end or a really good running back. And John Madden found a way to, to uh, bring the linemen into it as well. And that, that's really, really important because the game really is won there. It's won and lost on, in the trenches. And that's, that's where it's at. So, No, you're exactly right. It's one in the trenches. And he brought that to light, and he educated the, the person watching, the viewer, and made you understand it. Like a lot of people sometimes don't really want to get into technical attributes, but he brought it to light, and he made it relevant. And you brought up another great point about the game. I've learned so much about plays, routes, running, what defenses are, what formations that they use by playing John Madden. It's a great learning tool and a fun, fun game because you get to learn so much about the game, both inside and out, offensively and defensively. I played as a kid. My son can't get enough of it. He, he has the newest one, Madden 22. He always plays it every day. It's, and he's learned so much about the game and routes and running. When he first started playing the game, I used to beat my son all the time simply because I played the game, and not that I was such a great player, but I understood plays and formation and defenses, and more importantly, offenses, to see, okay, this is the play that my son's going to run because I could read the offense. This is the defense he put up because I could see the defense. And I learned that from John Madden. Great, great mind, great game, and truly a legend in the game, and truly would be missed. I agree 100%. And, and regarding the game, I can go back to the early 90s when it was on probably the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. And I had a friend that lived across the street from me. I was probably 10, 11 years old. I used to go over every day after school. Hey, man, you going to play Madden? 
<laughs> you know, so it, yeah. it, it went and it went from you know the you know the graphics obviously back then were not anything that were anything to, to brag about, especially in today's uh, video game world. But the the fun of playing a football game that's actually designed like the real thing, and then all these changes that have been made over the last thirty plus years to see how that game. You can sometimes walk into a room where somebody's playing that game, and you can't tell whether or not you're watching an actual game or whether you're watching somebody playing the video game. It's that, it is that, um, you know, it is that uh, great now. And they've, of course, made a lot of advancements with being able to have a franchise and hiring coaches and, you know, many, many other cool attributes that they've added over the years. So um, always good to, to get off to a great start uh, to the year. And uh, we're going to do that here again tonight by bringing on our favorite guest. Lou is with us tonight. Let me get Lou here on. Give me just a moment. There he is, uh, Mr. Lou. Hello. Uh, there in New York. Happy New Year. Uh, how, how you doing? Happy New Year. <laughs> All right. Nice to be back. New Year. <laughs> That's right. Uh-huh. Yeah. How you been? Just a shame how to start the year in a sad note, though. I mean, with the passing of... I actually lost a couple of people uh, this past week. Uh, Matt, of course, the first one. Uh, we also lost Dan Reeves, who also won a Super Bowl with the Cowboys. And we lost a great basketball player, although from the Celtics, but nevertheless a, um, a great player. But, you know, Sam Jones. Yeah. So, yeah, so Sam Jones was uh, eighty. We lost three great athletes, I believe. you know, yeah. in just a span of a few days. Yeah, you're absolutely right, unfortunately, Lou, that we did lose some, definitely some great heroes of the game. And I'm glad that you, you joined us in today on the Allen and Aaron Sports Radio Show. I wanted to get your thoughts on John Madden. How did you view John Madden, think of John Madden when you think of him as a person and a coach and whatever you thought of John Madden? I was kind of young to remember him as a coach, I know, but I know the legacy from years later. I, but I basically know him you know, as a commentator mostly associated with uh, Pat Summerall, of course. I mean, you know, that was, you know, that was the Sunday thing. You know, yeah. every, every Sunday during football season, you know, you, you couldn't have it without, without Summerall, man, even though it's CBS, NBC had had their own, although I like Marv too. But, uh, you know, Summerall, man, they, you know, they brought something extra special to, to the game, even though that man never played the game himself. Well, the practice squad, that was about it. But Summerall brought his experience as a giant, and the two made a made good made a good uh, pairing. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Uh, definitely a great commentator, a deep uh, football yeah. mind, and he knew his players. I, I remember when uh, Deion Sanders yeah. picked up a play, he knew that he at the time he was the fastest guy in the league, so he knew the ins and outs of not just the superstars, but the guys that you wouldn't think of. He knew everything. Just about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, for a guy who didn't play, uh, you know, he did know the in and out. Yeah. And it just goes to show you that, you know, a lot of times people don't want to take advice from someone who hasn't played, who hasn't had the, the on-field the knowledge that they do, but you can still learn from somebody who maybe cannot play well, as good as you. Well, you can say about Howard Cassell. He never played the game either. Yeah. Exactly. Like, uh, you know, that's right. And that's that's something that or a lot Al of people yeah, so the list can go on, you know, that just because you haven't played as great as someone else doesn't mean right. that you can't advice. Yeah, well, all I can say that is he did what? 
Sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the title of the book. That should be the title of the book. He did what? Okay. All right. But still, you know, it's interesting because, you, know, you know, I watched it growing up, and that was, you know, um, it's, not, it's just not the same. It's just not the same, you know, without them. Yeah. And did you ever play John Madden, it's, the game? Yes, I did. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I wasn't a, that great. My brother was better than I was, but I did play the game. I wasn't yeah. that good. But. <laughs> you can learn, though. I mean, that's the thing about that game is that, I, I, you know, there's people that play, you know, it's like anything. you got to put the work in to be as one of the elite players of the game. But I've learned so much about the game by playing John Madden. That's the thing that I take away mm-hmm. from it. Both good, you know, the ins and outs, getting players, injuries, and definitely reading formations is, is something that I've learned. You know, and and that's all because yeah. of John Madden's game. It is. Of course, they could have called the name of the game Boom, but um, no, I guess it's more <laughs> I've got a funny Madden story that um, that at least you guys may find interesting. So uh, probably it's probably been 20 years since this happened, but I had a friend that used to live uh, over in Tampa. who was going to college over there. And, you know, in your late teens, early 20s, you can stay up till 4 o'clock in the morning playing video games or watching Mm, 1 a.m. for me, but I don't know about 4 a.m. 1 a.m. maybe. (laughs) Random really depending depending on how, how, (laughs) how much coffee you had. So we decided. Right, right. We decided we'll take a, a, a random team, and we'll basically crash that team into the ground. That way, we get the number one pick in the draft the next year. We'll hire our own coach, the whole nine yards. So, if I remember correctly, we were the Arizona Cardinals. We had the number one pick in the draft, quarterback. Can't remember where he went to college at or anything like that. So we're, we're super excited that we have this guy. We're going to try to, you know simulate through his career the very first game he plays in he has a career ending injury so uh, <laughs> that still stands out in my mind okay. 20 years ago yeah <laughs> wow <laughs> not so, a very great way to start your career now is it it's definitely why i'm not an, a real nfl general manager because i probably would have a similar kind of thing happen so <laughs> well yeah. we just, well we all try to you know we all have crazy <laughs> dreams yeah and and I wanted to get you guys' uh, thoughts on Dan Reeves too. We, you know, him and his yeah. career. Well, yeah, I'll start. Mm, go ahead, go ahead, Lou. Wasn't actually probably the best football coach, but you know, I don't think you can say he was far the worst. I mean, he had he has he has moments in his years, but um, you know, I guess more he was better as a player, you know, because he did have a Super Bowl title. Reeves, you know, was good for Denver. I mean, he took, you know, he went to four Super Bowls, but he never won him as a coach. So, while he was good and decent, you know, this wasn't really, you know, shall I say, not really spectacular as a coach. I believe he's the winningest uh, coach in NFL history that didn't win a Super Bowl. I think he has 200 and, mm-hmm. I want to say 213 wins, including his playoff uh, wins. Not too shabby. Um, which is, you yeah, know, but I mean, honestly, but nothing's quite like it when, you know, trying to get the, you know, trying to get the all loose of title of winning a Super Bowl. That would have made yeah. it complete. You know, you're absolutely right. Uh, I, I will say this to highlight his career. First of all, he was a, an excellent running back with the, uh, the Cowboys 
back in the 60s and 70s. And I Won believe he was 76. Yep. And I don't think he was drafted either. I think he was a, like a free agent, signing, like a walk-on type player. Yeah. Um, I, think I was thinking to, in college terms, college is walk-on. Yeah. So he was like a, an un, undrafted player, un, un, undrafted free agent, I think is probably the best way to describe him. But, well, in those you days, know, free agency was kind of rare. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't as much. Well, back then they had, I think, like 15 rounds in the draft. So, you know, but him uh, and Roger yeah, Staubach. Yeah, yeah. You know, Roger Staubach's another one who he was either drafted really, really low or he wasn't drafted at all. I forget which of the two, but. Um, I think it was low. Yeah, it was like 12th round or something like that. So so here's the interesting facts about Dan Reeves, though. I think he was an excellent coach. I think he got yeah. run out of Denver for two reasons. First of all, he lost your third Super Bowl. Usually at that point, things are starting to kind of dissipate anyways. He'd been there for 10, 11 years at that point. Yeah. He and Elway had their issues and moments with each other. Here's the thing I find so interesting about uh, about Dan Reeves, though. He, he coached in three places. He didn't do so well in, in those two or three years he was with the Giants. That was kind of a um, not, not a very good fit overall. But the, the thing I find so interesting is he had John Elway in the early 80s with Denver, former number one overall pick in the draft, and obviously, you know, three Super Bowl trips, that's still something to, to be proud of, even though they lost all three of them. And a lot of those games, at least two of them, were pretty much blowouts. Um, he had another number one overall pick in the draft in 2001 when he was with Atlanta, and that was, uh, of course, Michael Vick. Um, so it, it's very rare to see, unless you're with, like, the Cleveland Browns of recent years, it's very rare for a coach to have the number one overall pick more than one time. And so Reeves did it twice in his career in like a 20-year difference. And he did a little more with Elway than he did, of course, with Vic, but he still had that pick. And so I, I would say he probably had as good of an eye for talent as any coach that's ever coached in the league. Yeah, that's a great point that you yeah. have made, Aaron, is that Dan Reeves actually got along really well with Michael Vick. And Michael wasn't the easiest person to coach or get along with in a lot of people's eyes, but they had a special oh, connection and they, and they, and they understood each other. And that's the thing, like, you know, Michael Vick, he, to this day, he has nothing but love for Dan Reeves, you know, for, for bringing him in. And they had a great relationship, you know, even with Michael Vick going through some of the things that he went through, they still got along really well. And that's, that speaks volumes to how great of a coach Dan Reeves is. You know, to get along with a tough personality, you know, someone who was a little rough around the edges, but he understood Michael Vick, and they both had mutual respect for each other. And it actually worked out better for Dan Reeves getting along with Michael Vick than a lot of other coaches. So I I think aside from that, along with the wins that you mentioned, he's a great, great football mind, and he definitely is going to be missed. So may may he both uh, all rest in peace. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely agree there. Yeah. Trying to bring you start 2022. No, it, you know, with um, the passing of these legends, you're right about that. But, you know, definitely a lot of things to look forward to in 2022. So I wanted to kind of <laughs> – it's glad that you called there, Lou. I wanted to get your thoughts on first and foremost, what you thought watching the Jets game and you saw Antonio Brown do his thing? 
my uh, the ridiculous story of the week tomorrow because you had to be a total nitwit to pull a stunt like that. And he said it was and they said it was planned. Knowing Brown's I'm not surprised. <laughs> I mean, but still yeah. to do something a stunt like that. I mean, you know that is a little bit out, a little out there. But knowing Brown and his antics, you know, I mean I think he would try anything once. Even if he didn't make a total ass of himself from that in front of a national audience. Yeah, so definitely and Yeah. This is my so this gets the ridiculous story of the week tomorrow. Okay, great. So definitely what else you got going on in your show tomorrow? Well, we'll of course we'll pay tribute to the big three that passed away. Uh we'll look at the uh pre of the college football championship. Uh the, I'm not gonna say what I'm uh, taking just in case you call tomorrow. So I'll hold my thoughts on that. Uh, we'll look at the last week of the regular season. I'll even take a look at um, uh, the uh, Pro Bowl um, selections and see if anybody agrees with that. I'll carry some Olympic news. Some of it's good, some of it's not so good. And those who are paying attention, I think you know what I mean. So you know, we have a lot to do. And it's the uh, you know it's the first show of the year and kind of like a milestone because I begin my with this guy's my fifth season as host. There you awesome. go. <laughs> there you go. That's, That's going right. to be a great, great start season. to the year. That's awesome. So definitely. Yeah. And they say I never last. So, Actually, yeah, so. you know, gentlemen, this is a 2022 is a big year because uh, this summer I will start my 10th season as podcasting. Wow. So definitely, that's great. Now, I didn't start. I didn't start awesome. national like you guys at first. No, I started locally. <laughs> you guys know that. You guys yeah, know. Yeah. You know, I started locally with you know with Eric. Uh, it was a small little operation. You know, didn't think we we're going to be anything like uh, Carton and Rossi of New York or whatever. Like, well, that that'd be pretty bad. Um, then I then in 2016 I went national. You know, doing a few call-in shows. Then did substituting, co-hosting, or not. So. Uh, I guess you can call it a career uh, to some point, and it's been a and it's been a good long stay. Awesome, awesome! That's great. And many more. Last, to be honest, I didn't think it was going to last more than five weeks. <laughs> yep, and you got many more shows to go. And I man, said, uh, I said, well, I'm good, but I'm not that good. <laughs> yes, you made it. So, and definitely, that's the enhanced sports show. For those who don't know, it's five one two five four three four six six two. Five one two five four three four six six two, and that's our great buddy Lou. That you can catch him Eastern Standard Time Zone that's tomorrow. Eastern Time, by the way, people. Eastern Time. Keep that in mind. All right. Yep. Between five and seven p.m. But they never learn. But they never learn anyway. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Eastern Standard Time tomorrow. Now I, know, I know. I know. There's a game tomorrow at five, but uh, starting at four thirty. But Try to call anyway. Hey, look, you can even take thoughts, you know, you can take your thoughts of the game and watch the game while being on the phone. That's fine, but just turn the sound okay. down when you come on. I'll uh, appreciate no any thoughts, you know, during the game, you know, for for both games. So, uh, you know, just because you're watching the game does not mean you does not mean you have to, oh, well, I can't call them. Uh, yeah, you could. Just don't get any real background noise. Because I welcome all comments and, you know, uh, predictions and, uh, you know, Thoughts of the game or whatnot. Of course, I'll even take, you know, uh, thoughts of what's going to be for Monday night's game between the rivalry of Georgia and Alabama because uh, this I don't think is going to be a blowout. I really don't think either way. I mean, yes, they had their blogs against their opponents, you know, 
against uh, Michigan and Cincinnati. I actually, I actually thought that um, I guess Michigan was going to be a little bit closer. I thought Cincinnati may have had a chance. Unfortunately, it went as most people thought it was going to be. Yeah, but um, yeah. You know, I was thinking, that, but I do, not, I do not see this as a blowout at all. Yeah, so definitely, that's awesome that you're going to go ahead and talk about that. You got a big game, so yeah, definitely, we look forward to big things to you in 2022. And the same with you guys, gentlemen. You know, I'll be here. I mean, it's, it's nice to be back. Yes, it is. That's great. We appreciate <laughs> yeah. you. Give us a call in today and and hope you have a blessed uh, show and great weekend. Thanks a lot. I hope you, guys get, I hope you guys get a chance to call in. All right. Sounds great. We appreciate you, Lou. Really right, appreciate guys. you. Thank you. Thank you have now. a good night. <laughs> All right, our good, uh, good buddy Lou, and a good uh, good time to have him come in uh, to the show here, of course, to start the year off so well. And he brought up some good things. You know, we're uh, heading to Monday, the national championship for college football. Um, obviously, two rivals in, in Georgia and Alabama. It'll be kind of a, it basically as a rematch of the SEC title game here from just a few weeks back. So that'll be a very fun uh, event to watch. And kind of hinted at it there before. Alan, um, I was actually watching the game Sunday. You were asking uh-huh. Lou what he thought of the Antonio Brown situation. And if there's an early nominee here on the first show of the 2022 year for biggest idiot in sports, uh, Antonio Brown certainly has the first nomination <laughs> for the year. What wow. a joke this guy is. How, how about what, what has happened and what's transpired since then where – he just can't get out of his own way. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just, you're absolutely right. You know, I, I let me say this like this: Antonio Brown, to me, talent-wise, is one of the best receivers in the league. He has great route running ability, fast, can do it all in the field. He's actually, in my opinion, say this with all due respect, to all the receivers on the Bucks, I feel as if his hands are probably the best on the team. He's got phenomenal talent. That's just saying the field stuff. But like you said, to your point, he just cannot get out of his own way. It's almost like I even, I was watching the game, see him doing those theatrics. My son watched it with me, the game. And I told my son, I said, if you ever do something like that, because I was embarrassed to even watch it. If you ever even think about doing something like that, before you get to that tunnel, you're going to have to deal with me first. And that is unacceptable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is unacceptable beyond anything to be walking up the field that way, creating that type of scene. Antonio Brown lives his life through social media. Everything is not for public consumption. You don't have to live your life like you have to let everybody know everything that's going on in your life. You know, this whole week, even it got, I thought it was crazy what he did on Sunday. Between Sunday and now Friday, it's got even crazier. I mean, yeah. reports of him basically had an only fan girl, and it's verified that he snuck her into the hotel room the night of the night before the game. But he was going to post on social media them, you know, having a little sexual episode, and he wanted her to post it. And he was going to post it too, and they filmed it. I'm like, what would you? Where's the line that you say, you know what? <laughs> Here's the line. I'm not going to cross the line. I mean, come on, bro. 
stop living your life through social media. I'm telling you what your boys will not tell you because you're getting them access to the club, giving them bottles. They're not going to ever say anything that you need to hear. You need to stay in your shoes, put your phone down, and concentrate on being a great player and getting a ring. Don't give yeah. – I, I even told Aaron, and then I'll get Aaron's thoughts. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I have to say this. <laughs> I told Aaron right after the incident on Sunday that come Monday, what you, Antonio Brown, were going to do was try to figure out a way to spin this and put yourself as a victim and then also make everybody else look bad because that's your pattern of behavior. And sure enough, that's exactly what you did and even got even crazier afterwards. So I'll continue on, but I want to hear your thoughts on it, Aaron. Well, in honestly, when I was watching the game, I, I wasn't watching it, you know, at a, you know, every play look it was kind of, it was on in the background and I happened to look up and I, I didn't even realize at first it was him. I think even, even when they were showing it on, on, uh, on the TV, I think it was uh, Daryl Johnston. Funny enough, we were talking about him before and, I forget who the other commentator was, but they were kind of like, was that Antonio Brown? Because he'd already taken his jersey off. He'd thrown his shirt up in the stands. Then they went back and played the video before what they showed the clip on when it uh, happened live. And they even said some of the security people thought he was a person who'd run out on the field. Um, So it was just a very bizarre episode for sure. Um, My opinion, this is the kind of guy you don't want on your team especially if you're a bad team, you don't want that on your team because it's going to make a bad team worse. You don't want that on a good team like Tampa because little things like this aren't as little as they may seem. They actually have a way of becoming more of a distraction. And what has everybody talked about this entire week with the Bucks? They came back and won that game. They played a great fourth quarter, another great Tom Brady comeback, but nobody really wanted to talk about that after the game. Everybody was talking about Mr. Distraction, Antonio Brown. And you mentioned his pattern of behavior there before. This is a guy who has had more second chances than, than, than I can count. I mean, look, he, he, he burned, burned bridges in Pittsburgh with, you know, with Mike Tomlin. He burned, he burned bridges in, in Ben Roethlisberger, too. He burned bridges in New England with uh, Bill Belichick. And, you know, Tom Brady stood up for him and said, hey, let's give this guy another opportunity. That didn't work out. He burned bridges in Las Vegas slash Oakland with, uh, with John Gruden. And really, he, he hurt himself worse with he got into a very loud, heated discussion with uh, general manager Mike Mayock. I think that was two years ago. And, you know, he, 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 the same thing has happened here in Tampa now. And here's the thing. All those other places that I just mentioned, you have different personalities. You know, Bill Belichick is kind of an old school by the book, kind of a my way or the highway kind of coach. I kind of like that. I think that's he, he kind of personifies what a football coach is typically like, or at least an old school coach. And I think some of those other guys to some degree do that as well. The common denominator with Antonio Brown in every single one of these situations is himself and his and now the finger pointing starts. Every other place he's been after the event that kind of was the catalyst happens. Well, I don't know if my friendship with Tom Brady is as good as it should be. Oh, you know, Bruce Arians wanted me to play on a hurt ankle. Well, let me tell you, man, you were hopping around like, like a kangaroo out there on the field 
when you threw your jersey up into the stands or your shirt up in the stands, you're hopping around there like a kangaroo. So I don't think your ankle was really that hurt. You know, I mean, it just, it, it's so bizarre how this stuff happens. And then supposedly he had a text message that he had from Bruce Arians, some of the conversation they had about his playing time. Like it, it's, it's, it just really is bizarre. Like I didn't think anybody could get worse than what T.O. was 15 years ago. This takes, takes the whole thing at this point. So <laughs> like, I don't know, man. It, it just, it really, it's, it's a sad thing to see, but you know, does he get another chance? I don't think he does. I think this is it for him. I, I think he has to be gone. And I, to me, if a team takes a chance on him, they deserve whatever they get after it happens. Because if he's done this in four different places now and it's progressively gotten worse, what's next? You know, I mean, at, at this point, what is next? Yeah, and that's and that's exactly right. And with Antonio Brown, the thing about him is we all saw this coming, but it got messier than I thought. Now, I did follow up and look and read his statement. I followed up in, into everything that he, happened after the fact. And let me be frank with you. Bruce Arians did – one thing that did come to light, Bruce Arians did get caught in a lie. And what I did say that is, Bruce Arians knew that he wasn't a hundred percent. I'll, I'll give Antonio Brown that, but guys in NFL do that all the time. They, you're never in sports. That's what it is. You're never a hundred percent. you you know, yes, I don't doubt Antonio Brown may have was dealing with a, an ankle issue, but his theatrics wasn't because of the ankle. It was because of guess what? The touches. He wanted to get that incentives. I'll even give you what he needed to get. He needed to get, eight catches and 55 yards in, in either in that game and the next game for him to get a million dollars, right? He mm-hmm. needed to do that to, in order to get a million dollars, you know, 333000 okay? He was going to get that bonus and that incentive. The game before, he had 15 targets, and then the next game, this game with the Jets, it seemed as if he was going back to Gronk. He made a smart comment to Tom Brady about the touches, and then that's where things got really ugly. So don't tell me your ankle was the reason why you couldn't play. It was part of it, but the major reason why you got so upset was because your pride got hurt and you panicked. You felt as if you weren't going to get your money. And believe me and you, you panicked because Tom was going to make sure you you got those catches before the end of that game, if not at the end of that game. Definitely at the end, before the end of the season. So you were going to get your money. Tom has been your boy. You're going to tell me you're not going to get eight more catches and 55 yards and a touchdown between a game and a quarter and a half? It's not going to happen. You understand what I'm saying, Aaron? He was going to get his money. Yeah. Having said that, the reason why you blew up that bad was because of the touches. It had, it had little to do with your, your ankle. Yes, your ankle was hurting. Yes, you were having discomfort. But don't blame this on your ankle because, like you said, Aaron, you were jumping around, causing those theatrics. Yes, and then his point was, well, it's very different running a route than what I did. Yes, I agree with you. It is very different running around and getting hit. But no one could watch before that game and before that incident and after and say that, oh, this guy was hurt. That's why he didn't play. And he was forced to play. So the lies and the cover-up to me is worse than the crime. You should have yeah. just – yeah, it's, 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 it's the same pattern of behavior. And having said that, with Antonio Brown, I will say this much. 
to, to, to your second point as far as him getting another opportunity. Since Antonio Brown, as we mentioned, as I mentioned it, he's so gifted. Antonio Brown's like the bad guy, and here comes the girl who thinks I can change him and make him different. It's going to be different me than it was with the other past relationships. People in NFL will do the same thing. So, yes, and fortunately, I think that this is not the end of Antonio Brown. I think his talent speaks for itself. So he will get another opportunity. He may not get signed by between now and the end of the playoffs because now you played your car that you're hurt and you need surgery. So you can't come back because if you come back, you basically throw that settlement out. So I do think in the offseason or between now and next season, some fool of a team will roll the dice <laughs> and sign him and give him yet another opportunity. What do you think? I think there's going to have to be a lot of uh... – trust that gets built up, which I think is kind of hard to do at this point, just given his past history. And time isn't on his side. Let's be honest with you here. Uh, he's 33. He'll be 34 next year. I mean, I realize in a lot of ways that it doesn't sound like it's that old, but, you know, in the NFL where they're trying to get younger and faster and more efficient, 33, 34 is not, you know, you're on the wrong side of, of 30 at this point when it comes to to your age and if you're if, and you just brought up the thing that probably is the you know the the house of cards falling down is you just admitted that you're injured so now a team isn't going to want to pay you as much if they even are interested in you at all because now they're going to say well you know can you pass a physical can you um do you stay healthy all year long and the other concern that i would have is if you are healthy or if you are if you are with the team, you know, at what point are you going to maybe have a bad game, have a temper tantrum, and start this whole thing over again? And to me, it's just a distraction that I wouldn't need. Um, I would look to somebody, you know, I, I can't speak for him necessarily, but you know, I, I, I always look at somebody like Tony Dungy. I think he's a really good judge of character and having guys on his team that are going to, play for the team and not play for themselves. And I think he would be one of those ones who would say, well, you know, I just don't think I'd want somebody like that being a distraction uh, from the team. And, and I think really the Bucks made the right decision this week to, to go ahead and cut him because, you know, the playoffs are going to be starting here soon. Um, you know, we're what, seven, eight days away from the postseason starting. So there's a lot at stake here for the Bucks, and their window for what they have right now is not going to get any wider. Tom Brady, you know, he's, 44, 45 now, um, you know, it could, this, this could be it. I mean, I, I don't think it is, but this could very well be it. So you don't want to have that last opportunity potentially on your plate, and you've got a guy who wants to put himself above the team. That's just that's not the way it works. Um, football is the ultimate team game, and if you've got a guy who is, you know, playing it that way, and good grief! You mentioned a, a very good point there. You know, he, he he's going to get his he's going to get his his touches. He's going to get his catches. He's going to get his money. You know, and and more importantly, just like he did last year, you're going to get a ring. You know, potentially get a ring again. So, you know, if he had just played it cool, he would have been all right. And I honestly thought after last year, hey, maybe he finally found a place where he can kind of just kind of blend in the background instead of being in in the front. You know, and unfortunately. What we saw happen here this past uh, week, unfortunately, brought him out into the front, and now, now he doesn't have a team to play for. So, 
Yeah, and, and that's the thing. That's what's so sad is that you cannot you cannot get a better situation than what you were in. You just won a Super Bowl. You're playing with Tom Brady. You have a chance to win another Super Bowl. Your team is already going to have a very high seed, and depending on how the season ends, might be you know buying for the third or fourth seed. You have a great opportunity right now, and you're coming into the playoffs. Yes, you may have been a little upset at the moment, but you panic and you let your 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 emotion get the best of you, and it costs you not only a million dollars in those incentives, but it, it potentially costs you a ring. And you you overreacted, and you have to take the blame for that. That's Antonio Brown I'm talking about. And I did want to bring up one other thing: is that why are you throwing Alex Guerrero, Tom Brady's coach, uh, Tom Brady's trainer, underneath the bus to the point of Antonio Brown? You posted your own account number. Like if a guy's telling you he's going to give you his money, your money back, you don't have to tweet that out. And guess what? I was like, when I saw that he put his account number on the internet, I was like, no way. And lo and behold, I'm not even the most tech savvy guy. I found it. So Antonio Brown, come on, bro. There's certain, you, maybe you need to inquire from me first. There's some information that's called privy information that you don't put out in the public. When I deal with business dealings with people that are personal and private, I don't put that on social media. It's personal and private information. You got to learn the boundary of that. Put the phone down and focus on being a great receiver and getting rings. I mean, and getting your money. You just caught yourself a ton of money because of that fake vaccination card. You lost three game checks, and now you lost a million dollars in incentives that you could have easily got before the year was over. And then you burnt the bridge between you and Tom Brady. Tom Brady has been nothing but great and nice to you. You wouldn't even got that ring if it wasn't for Tom Brady. One last point I want to make is that Antonio Brown said, well, he's somewhat of a friend. A friend is only, he was only my friend because I was a great player. That is partially true. Yes, maybe Tom Brady would not have been so cordial to you if you weren't a great receiver, but that happens in life. And that happens in friendships. People lean on each other to get to what they need to go to. At least Tom Brady understands that he, and to, to Aaron's point, the first rule that I told my kids when I told, taught them about football, rule number one, football is a team game. It is a team game. And one person who understands that more than anyone is Tom Brady. If you don't believe me, watch his documentary, The Man in the Arena, which I've been watching. He is a team guy. And I will give him that, that he understands that you cannot win rings by yourself. So Antonio Brown, I wish the best for you. I do think you're going to get another opportunity. Unfortunately, I agree with Aaron. I do think you're going to get another opportunity because this is the NFL. And I know a lot of people say he's no way he's going to get another opportunity. Yes, he is. Because unfortunately, he's going to probably give him at a highly rated discount, kind of like what the Bucks did. You got him on a sense of late of contract. They'll give him a workout. Somebody will sign him as long as he gets the surgery, gets cleared on the physical aspect. Somebody will give him an opportunity 100%. I, I, I know I'm not going to be wrong on that. Somebody will, will give him an opportunity. Unfortunately, he doesn't deserve one, but he will get one. But I just think that I hope this Antonio Brown saga is over, but I don't think it is. 
<laughs> what are your thoughts on that? Um, I, I would say his chances of, of playing again are very, very slim. I think it's going to be – it's going to have to be someone, again, like I said before, who, who, who has trust in him, and I just can't picture anybody right now with that. I mean, you think of some of the great coaches that he's played for. Well, I mean, let, let's examine all four coaches that he's played for have won Super Bowls. I mean, that, that's pretty remarkable right there. He, obviously, Tomlin with, with Pitts one, has won two. Uh, he played under uh, Belichick at one point, who's won six Super Bowls. Gruden won a Super Bowl with the Bucks 20 years ago. And, of course, uh, Arians uh, won last year with Tampa as well. So, um, guys have been very successful. I mean, I'll just throw out some other teams that could potentially – and there's no rumor out there that I've seen. I'm just throwing these names out there. Maybe he goes to, maybe he goes to Kansas City. You know, maybe maybe he. But you know what? what you know what's going to happen there? They want to throw to Hill every time, or they want to throw to to Travis Kelsey every time. So it, it's going to become the same situation there. And I'll tell you, Andy Reid won't put up with that. Andy Reid already did the same thing with uh, with To back in you know 2003 or 2004. So you know he, he knows how to handle these kind of situations. So. It's going to take somebody who has a lot of trust, and I just I, I can't for the life of me picture who that is right now. Um, to the Cowboys, yeah. if he wasn't injured, believe it or not, the Cowboys won a record. Jerry Jones said that he would have taken him. I, I, the only reason yeah. why I don't think he's going to take him now is because Antonio played his cards and he's hurt. And he no. not, you know, played that his ankle was that severely hurt, and he could have signed him before the the end of this year. You know, the playoffs. So he could help him in the playoffs. Yeah. So I do think, unfortunately, as, as crazy as it sounds, I hope I'm wrong, but I don't, I don't think so. Had he been ready to go, or like let's say he needed to take a week off or, or two weeks off or something like that, and he could have made it for maybe the second round of the playoffs, I think he gets signed by the Cowboys or another team that's in the hunt. But it's not, it may not happen now because of the severity of his ankle, the based on what Antonio Brown said, which is what he did. He, he basically shot himself in the foot with saying how bad you were hurt. You understand? It just, it, it's, it's crazy, but yeah, the Cowboys were going to roll the dice with him. Yeah. And, and that might be the one and only place that, that can, can put up with this, you know, kind of going forward. Um, all these other veteran coaches, like he, he, He's burned a bridge with those other four places, including Tampa, four places that he's previously been. So I just can't see that happening. I was seeing people on some of the Packers board saying, hey, why don't we try to sign him? I'm like, ah, we don't need that. <laughs> we, we've, we've, got enough, um, we've got enough publicity as it is anyways uh, from some of the Rodgers stuff that happened this past offseason. So we, we don't need a distraction that's an uh, additional negativity, if you will. Now, I know um, one of the things we had uh, – brought into the show here it was in our our show description this week is you know Aaron Rodgers is primed for potentially winning another MVP award and there apparently is uh, one of the voters out there who has said Aaron Rodgers is a jerk I would never vote for him I want to get your thoughts on that yeah that to me is is not a real voting criteria as far as I'm concerned now I will say this much I don't agree with that you know, you may not like Aaron Rodgers, but if he is the MVP in your view, 
you shouldn't use the fact that you like him or dislike him as a reason not to vote for him when it comes to the MVP because it's the most valuable player. Now, having said that, I would kind of respectfully disagree. I believe if I had a vote for MVP, the person who I really feel is the MVP this year, I think Aaron definitely deserved it last year, but I would have to say I think Jonathan Taylor, the running back for the Colts, would get my vote. And the reason why is because the reason why I would say that is because the Colts do not make the playoffs. They do not do nowhere near as well without Jonathan Taylor doing boss mode. I think Aaron Rodgers had a good year. He did miss some time because of COVID and things like that. And he has a, he has a stud team. I don't think Tom Brady is also the MVP this year because you got shut out at home and, and you didn't beat the Saints as well as you didn't beat the Washington football team. So I think – I think Tom had a good year, but not, I don't think, an MVP year. So my vote, honestly, would go to Jonathan Taylor. Having said that, whether Jonathan Taylor or whoever I believe is the MVP is a great guy or not a great guy, that would not be the criteria when it comes to an MVP vote. So I don't agree with the reporter saying that. And I also disagree with him not only saying that, but that being his opinion, but you voicing that opinion publicly that you think he's a jerk and you're not going to give him an opportunity. I think that's, that's just outrageous. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think this is a little bit political in, in a sense. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers has been, uh, you know, whatever side you're on, he's been a little controversial this year. I think we would all agree that some of that has been the case, whether we agree with it personally or not. Um, I don't have a problem with this reporter using that as his own criteria, but I, what I have a problem with is him publicizing that. We don't know who this guy is. I'd never heard of this reporter before this. I don't know if you had or not. Um, to me, it seems, and this is just on the surface anyways, it seems like, hey, I'm going to say that Aaron Rodgers is a jerk. I don't like him. That's fine. You don't have to. You know, There's other players in other sports that I, <laughs> I think are jerks, and I don't care for them. And if I put that opinion out there, the rest of the world doesn't care. So why does this guy have to put that out there? for any other reason other than to get his own publicity. That's what this is about to me more than anything else. If he wants to feel that way, I'm sure he's not the only one. I mean, I'm sure there's other people out there who, who have somewhat of a – it may, may not be towards Aaron Rodgers. There could be people who don't like Tom Brady because of the fact that he's been so successful for the last 20 years. I'm not going to vote for him because I don't think he's you – know, I don't think he's really as good as his numbers indicate. You know, there's silly things like that out there that happen. So, yeah, you have the right to have an opinion, but – at what point are you not piggybacking off of this guy's future Hall of Fame success when you're sitting there and, you know, now, now everybody is suddenly pivoting from Aaron Rodgers to whoever the heck this reporter is. I'll be honest with you, uh, Alan, I have no idea who this guy is. I don't even know his name. Yeah, you know? I'll tell you. Hub <laughs> Arkush. Hub Arkush. Yeah. And what I, I, don't, I didn't know who he was prior to this, but from what I've gotten information from was that he is a well-respected reporter. So he's not like, you know, he is somebody well-respected in industry. The first time I've heard his name. So <laughs> that just, that just, all, that, all that says to me is, okay, you have an opinion. You're going to go against it. I'm not saying it's, I think it's against the grain because there may be other people out there who feel the same way, either towards Rodgers or, as I mentioned, to other sports people, whether it's in the NFL or whatever sport it is. But when you're out there and – 
you make a statement like that, and suddenly all these ears perk up. Well, why? Why is he not like Aaron Rodgers now? This is now on you. Now, now the spotlight moves from Aaron Rodgers, AR12. It moves over to your 15 minutes oh. of fame. Yeah, that's, that's all this is. Is a 15 minutes of fame. In in two three weeks or after the Super Bowl is over, whether Aaron Rodgers wins another Super Bowl, whether he wins another MVP, means nothing. No one's going to remember this guy. So, <laughs> you know. And if I'm Aaron Rodgers. Just keep it going out there and doing what you've done all year long. You know, you've had a great year. You missed a game, obviously. We, we, we all remember that. That was the game where uh, Jordan Love started against Kansas City, and they blitzed him on almost every single down. And Green Bay looked really bad, and it really showed how much Aaron Rodgers – to me, why, the reason he's the MVP is that game right there. If there was one game through this year that showed that there was a need for Aaron Rodgers to remain in Green Bay and that – I'm not saying Jordan Love isn't the future in Green Bay, but he's not ready yet. That game right there, to me, is why Aaron Rodgers is the MVP. Uh, Taylor with uh, with Indianapolis, he is an absolutely stud for running back. He's the best in the league, in my opinion, right now. I agree with you 100%. Imagine if he was in Green Bay. That tandem they'd have there um, <laughs> with with him and Rodgers. Um, but, you know, I, and I'm okay with either guy winning. I, I, I care more about winning a Super Bowl at this point. MVP is just kind of the – Icing on top of the cake, but you know, it, who cares about the voters when it comes to these things? Honestly, it, it's just it's a it's a it's a story that's a non-story in my book. Yeah, I mean, Aaron did address it. He he called the guy a bum. You know, um, yeah, he called him a bum, and I give Aaron credit. At least he didn't give the politically correct answer. He he seemed like he was being real. You know, a lot of times you're the quarterback, you got to give the politically correct answer. He he seemed like you know he just gave a real answer. He called him a bum. And you could tell it meant something to Aaron that this guy would not vote for him because he thinks he's a you know, in his opinion. I mean, everybody's entitled to their opinion. But I, I just think that this makes people who vote for the MVP look bad more than anything. Because it's like, okay, you're not going to vote for him because you think he's a jerk. You didn't elaborate on why you think he's a jerk. But that had nothing to do with all the yards. That had nothing to do with his on-field performance. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, a lot of people think Barry Bonds, whatever, is a jerk. But I still think Barry Bonds, to me, is still a Hall of Famer. If I had a vote, I would vote for, for Barry Bonds. And you could argue, or someone else could argue either way. But I think the on-field accomplishments, excluding, you know, some of this stuff that he may or may not have done it, we don't have any verifiable proof, and I think Barry Bonds a Hall of Famer even without that stuff. I, you know, 500 home runs, 500 steals. His on-field performance is what I'm going to base it on. And what did you do on the field? What did you do on the field? And Aaron Rodgers, if you think he's the MVP or not, it shouldn't be based on him being a jerk, him being vaccinated, him not being vaccinated. That, to me, is not really a factor in whether you should vote someone or not. So it, it kind of discredits the people who do vote for these awards, is my opinion on this. Yeah, you know, I, I think we both agree pr- pretty uh, pretty solidly in that area for sure. I, I, I would say that's pretty much my opinion uh, spot on there. Yeah, and and that's the thing. And, I you know, I would have to agree with Aaron on this. The guy's being – he's a bum. Like, come on, man. 
that's not that's not cool. That's not cool at all. These guys work hard on the field, whether you think they're a jerk or not. There is a lot of hard work that you got to put into being a quarterback in the NFL. You know, that's whether you're successful or not is another thing. But just playing in the NFL as a quarterback is not an easy position. That's why guys get paid. They roll up the Brinks truck when you can play and perform because it's not easy. And, you know, I just think that this is uh, unfortunate that Aaron got <laughs> – he had to hear that. And like Aaron said, he never sat down and talked with him. He never had a conversation with him. You never know if you're going to like someone or not. You can't go by what you see just on camera. Because me, who have met a lot of athletes on in front of the camera and behind the camera, a lot of people you think is cool guys are not really cool guys. And a lot of guys you think are jerks are actually great people off the field. You can't go by just what you see on TV and social media. you got to meet the person to really get to know the person. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, oftentimes it's uh, a misrepresentation of, of who they really are. Um, you have to go a little deeper, obviously, than that. And I'll say this, you know, I've met a lot of athletes over the years myself, mostly uh, on the baseball side of things. And one of the nicest people I've ever met, and he holds to this day a record that I don't think will ever be even close to being touched, is uh, former Braves manager Bobby Cox. He got thrown out of 166 games, I think, in his career. I mean, basically an entire season he got thrown out of games. And there was always, as I was younger, there was always this, man, he's got to be an angry guy. He's got to be one of the meanest people out there. I've met him a handful of times over the years, and he goes out of his way to shake your hand and say, how you doing? And, you know, so a lot of times it's, it's those slow, slow or small, small moments rather that you see in a highlight or you catch the game just at the right time, and you take that away, and that's how you, how you judge somebody, so to speak. And, you know, those – few moments are oftentimes the wrong ones to, 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 to go by um, without having a deeper knowledge of how somebody really is. And you're absolutely right. You know, I don't know if this guy would change his opinion if he was to sit down with Aaron Rodgers. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, but he, he seems to me like he's got his mind made up. It's not really, a, I think it's going to, to really change at this point. But again, I think he was back to him, him wanting to make his own noise and, and get a little, popularity out of it for the moment. That's just, that's to me what it seems like at this point. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and to your point, I, you know, I've met, you know, Gary Sheffield during the winter meetings and Gary Sheffield prior to that did not have the best reputation in the media. It was always a lot of up and down stuff with him and a lot of off the field stuff, but man, I kid you not. If I would have got a beer and would have drank one with, with, with Gary Sheffield, it, it, the first time I met him, I mean, He's just a really cool, down-to-earth guy. Props to Gary Sheffield. And the one person I did want to bring up in our show and give them props is Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch, you know, in the media, I watched the clips of him. I'm, I'm just here not to get fined. I'm just here not to get fined. You would perceive <laughs> him and think that this guy was not a cool guy. Out of the Super Bowl that they lost, where they did not hand the ball off to Marshall Lynch, which they should have, and him score that touchdown and, and Seattle potentially win a second Super Bowl back-to-back, the person on that field 
and the person who handled the loss the best out of everyone was Marshawn Lynch. And the reason why I say that is because some people who do not get that opportunity, Aaron, that might have ruined their whole life. They may yeah. have just, like, you did not even give me, you did not trust me enough to give me the ball on the one-yard line to score the winning that you decided to do. Really, in my opinion, a Bush League play that cost you the Super Bowl. And that could have ruined someone's life because they could have put so much stock in it. The person who handled it the best was actually Marshall Lynch. So, and I was like, like shocked how well he handled that situation. And I saw a lot of interviews after the fact. He he's, he took that loss in stride, and it really didn't bother him. You even think not even a day. This high, his perspective of it. So people, you can't go by your perception of what you see always in the media on someone. You have to get to know them, and that's when you make your judgment. If you think you're a jerk after you get to meet them and you know them, you're entitled to that. But just going by them being vaccinated, them not being vaccinated, or, or the way you, you think they are by seeing what you see on TV is not fair at all times. I think Antonio Brown's probably a cool guy if you get to know him, but on the field and what I see, he he does not he does not show well. But I give Antonio Brown an opportunity to come on our show the Alan Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. He's welcome to disagree with me and share his thoughts. But you gotta get to know the person before you judge a person. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. Um, you know, I, I and I, I have always said this too that I think that uh, in sports, character has, uh, in my book, almost equal value to the talent itself. Um, in fact, to some degree, I think talent uh, should be just below character. And you know, if he does get another opportunity, hopefully that happens. You know, maybe he can have an opportunity to show he's changed or something to that effect. We'll, we'll see what happens. It's going to be an interesting off season. You know, there'll be teams out there who are looking for wide receivers and maybe someone will of course, you know, pick him up and take another opportunity for him. I can say this though, if he does get another opportunity and he does this again, that has to be the end right there. That would be the final, the final nail, I guess you could say at that point. Yeah, I, I don't think they should give him another opportunity and, and not to be mean like that. It's just that I just see a bigger drama or something else. You know, Tony Brown's the type of person that, as you see the pattern behavior, when you do give him an opportunity, he'll be in his best behavior for a little bit. But then once he gets comfortable, he'll find a way to just, just burn the whole house down, literally. He'll take yeah. everybody with him. And he has no shame in his game. He, and I do think, you know, that he will get another opportunity. He, the talent is just there. And he's going to get another opportunity. I just, I mean, I hope I'm wrong, but I don't, I don't think so. I think, I, it, you know, it's proof is in the pudding. Had he not been injured and to the extent that he, that he claimed he is, where he needs surgery and all this, he would have gotten signed by the Cowboys. Jerry Jones is going to take a chance on him. I mean, yeah. right off the bat. And he probably would have, knowing Jerry Jones, he probably would have given him a bigger contract than the Bucks. Well, and Jerry Jones, let's let's be honest with him. I mean, look look at some of the the personalities that he has had over the years. I mean, he's one himself. Let's let's be honest with you on that end of things. Jerry Jones is probably the reason 
the, he, Jerry Jones, in my opinion, is the sole reason why the Cowboys have not won a Super Bowl in over a quarter of a century. If he had just stepped out of the way, now he he he, he did some great things in the early to mid nineties. We'll, we'll agree there. I, I think most people would agree there, Cowboys fans included. You won three Super Bowls in a four-year period. You had one of the best dynasties. You were the team of the 90s in, in the NFL. There's no doubt about that. You had a lot of big personalities on that team, from yourself, Jerry Jones, of course, to Jimmy Johnson, to Barry Switzer, to Deion Sanders, to Michael Irvin, um, you know, there's a few other ones in there I'm not thinking of off the top of my head right now. Um, and then, you know, obviously you go to the mid-2000s, you bring T.O. in. So Jerry Jones doesn't have a problem with these things. As long as that personality isn't bigger than him, I think he's okay. And that, that's, that's the main reason right there why Jimmy Johnson didn't stick around longer than he did because there was a personality clash between Jimmy Johnson and Jerry Jones. That's, we could do a whole we could do a whole show on just that alone. I mean, if he, <laughs> they, they they I think they might have done a thirty for thirty for that on uh, ESPN a few years ago. Uh, and if uh, if there is one out there like that, it's definitely one to watch for sure. Um, but big personalities like that that that's uh, Jerry Jones. What I started to say here at the very beginning of this is he he is one of those people who likes to capitalize on the belief that even bad publicity is good publicity. When you're when you're getting that kind of attention, people are going to talk about you. When people talk about you, they search things about you, and it brings the fans back in. And people say, "Hey, I'm a Cowboy fan. Buy the merchandise. Go to the games. Let's make make it America's team again." It gets people talking. Jerry Jones likes that. He understands how to be a capitalist, how to capitalize on those those sorts of things. So, yes, I, I think that would probably be the only place that would really make some sense now how that would work with Mike McCarthy I don't know I don't know what his opinions are on those sorts of things he's dealt with some drama himself obviously his departure from Green Bay a few years ago was part of that and then the way that the Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre relationship kind of worked um, what was that 13 years ago now that would kind of come into play too but we shall see I think Jerry Jones is that guy who will you know, make enough noise that you're absolutely right. I think he would be a, a, a fit there. But at the same time, as much as Jerry Jones can be your best friend, he can also be your worst enemy, as we've seen some good relationships in Dallas go south pretty quick in the past. Jimmy Johnson will tell you that story sometime. So, No, you're right. You're absolutely right. And and um, one quick thing I did want to say is T.O. <laughs> Did go on record, and I did see an interview. He that you sent me that that picture of To. You funny you mentioned <laughs> it with that. <laughs> to actually, I saw an interview. I watched the entire interview about twenty minutes that he went, and and he does want to take Antonio Brown's position for the Bucks. There's a hundred percent. He actually was very forthright to the point during the interview, Aaron. The person that was interviewing To actually came down to USF and did a video of showing T.O. doing some routes, which unfortunately I missed T.O. I can't believe he came to my neck of the woods and I missed him. I'm sorry about that. I would have definitely tracked him down. He was at my alma mater, USF, go Bulls. But besides that, he, he even asked, T.O. asked the interviewer, do you have 
Byron Leftwich number because I want to call him and give and and have them give me a workout. The guy is serious. I would say my take on that is this. I think physically, even though T.O. is 48 years old, believe it or not, I do think physically T.O. can do it. The guy is a physical beast. He keeps himself in great shape. And I saw his videos on Instagram. I checked into this. I do think physically T.O. could help the Bucks. He has the playoff experience. He has big game experience. He's not going to, you know, kind of fold underneath the pressure. He can run good routes. And like he said in the interview, they only need me for three or four games. I do think T.O. can help them. However, I think T.O., you're taking the risk just like A.B., maybe not to the degree of A.B. and his shenanigans, but you are taking a big drama risk. And I think if you're willing to take that risk, give him a workout, see what he does. But I do think T.O., at 48 years old, I know that a lot of people are doubting him, I think T.O. can actually play and help the Bucks in this and make it and get another ring. What are your thoughts on T.O. possibly coming back? <laughs> well, yeah. the first first thing that comes to mind with him being 48 and Tom Brady being 44, 45, whatever he is, the Bucks could be the, the geriatric uh, Super Bowl champs. I mean, you, know, you talk about guys out there with walkers at some point uh, <laughs> at, that, <laughs> at that age. Yeah, T.O., there's, there's never a doubt uh, on T.O. with his athletic ability for sure. Um, I think that, and I, I date this all the way back to the late 90s, 98 or 99. I think it was the 99 NFC divisional playoff game between Green Bay and San Francisco. And that was the game where they called it the catch two. Uh, T.O. had been a target several times in that game, and he dropped passes. And I really honestly believe that, that was the biggest fork in the road for his career had he not caught that game-winning touchdown from Steve Young, I don't think we would even know who T.O. is today. Somebody would say Terrell Owens, and if you were a 49er fan, oh, yeah, yeah, he played for us in the 90s for a few years. That blew his career so far up. Because I, yeah. I think they probably would have cut him after that game had they not come back and won. So that was probably, of any player in the NFL, that had one play that, propagated their career to where it ended up that would definitely be it now I think the, the the negative side of that is there was a lot of kind of similar stuff that happened with, with Antonio Brown now Antonio Brown took it to a new height you know with, with some of the shenanigans he pulled off the last few years um, T.O. became a very um, me 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 player you know and, and we saw this happen as his career in San Francisco came to an end. It was all happy and jolly his first year in uh, Philadelphia. They went to a Super Bowl. Remember, he played hurt. P.O. played hurt in that Super Bowl. Yeah, um, he did. And, 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 and he, you and, can legitimately see he had a bum ankle. You can legitimately yeah. see it. I remember that game was in Jacksonville. It was cold. Uh, they lost, of course, to the, the Patriots from Tom Brady. That was the Patriots' third Super Bowl win that year. Um, and the next year, the honeymoon was over after that. After that first year, the honeymoon was over. He threw Donovan McNabb under the bus faster than, I mean, in a, in a, in a New York minute, he threw him under the bus. And then, of course, he ends up going to Dallas. Um, obviously, he had some issues in Dallas. And I want to say, it's funny we bring up the quarterbacks because he had issues with uh, Jeff Garcia in San Francisco. He eventually had issues with uh, with 
McNabb in Philadelphia. And then <laughs> I, I remember that post-game interview where somebody had said something that was supposedly negative about Tony Romo. That could be any number of things somebody could say about Tony Romo at this point. Um, and Theo's up there fake crying about you know his quarterback getting talked about. I, I just I find that so funny that you know he should have been an actor. Honestly, that would have been probably a, a, a career he would have been pretty successful <laughs> at. He, he he was very good at the uh, the theatrics. I. I I think uh, certainly probably as, as much as anybody out there. And I think he'd be a great guest on our show, too. I think he'd be a lot of fun to talk to at this point. So, T.O., if you happen to, to listen to this or if somebody knows T.O. and can alert him to our show, we'd uh, love to have you on sometime. Yeah, absolutely. I think T.O. would – I would definitely love the honor of having T.O. on our show. In fact, I was like, man, when I found out about it, that he was at USF during that interview working out, I was like, man, how did I miss that? I was like – He's at my alma mater. I would have definitely came on through and spoke to T.O. and and love to hear from him. And, yes, T.O., if you are available to come on the Allen and Aaron Sports Radio Show, we would love to give you a platform so that you can put yourself in position because me, Allen, I do think you could do it. I do think you have a potential. Physically, I know a lot of people are doubting you because of the age, but it would be remarkable to see somebody come out of retirement who's already a Hall of Famer, to play on the Bucks, And I do think three or four games, I would co-sign that. I, I would definitely think that T.O. can help the Bucks. At first when I was like, I know T.O. works out, but I was like, you really want to come back? Like at first I was like, is that for real? And then when I watched that whole interview, it was without a doubt T.O. wants to come back. He asked for Byron Leftwich's number to the interviewee. Like, hey, matter of fact, do you have his phone number? And that's what he said. That was after he said he went on about how he could help the team. He works out and, you know, stating his case. So Teal absolutely, I think, could play for the Bucks and help them out. I do think the Bucks are shorthanded right now. They, they, with Antonio Brown, whether you agree with Antonio Brown, you agree with, with B.A., B.A. being Bruce Arians, whoever you come on the side with, that Antonio Brown is no longer officially a member of the Bucks hurts the Bucks. I'm just going to say it the way it is. It hurts the Bucks' chances of winning another rink. This does not help. Whether you love Antonio Brown, you love or loathe him, Antonio walking Brown walking away or whatever you want to cut, he walked away. Does not help the Bucks, and it doesn't help Tom Brady because this is a potential that you, you know you have Chris Godwin who's gone. You know you. Mm-hmm. You know they they're shorthanded. Well, and and you know here's the thing about that. Uh, that's just, that's that's the way the the cards have been dealt to Tampa this year. That's how the cards have been dealt to Tom Brady. And I think that um, you think about his career dating all the way back to 2001 when he took over for Drew Bledsoe uh, midway through that first year he was in the league. Well, really, nobody knew who he was. Let's be honest with you. He was a third or fourth string quarterback that took over. He's had some Hall of Fame caliber players. I mean, he had Randy Moss there for a little bit. Um, he, so he had some guys that were Hall of Famers on their own, on their own, on their own, you know, volition, if you will. But he he's also had some some receivers that he made better, and you know, I, I think of. You know, Troy Brown, uh, I think of um, 
Julian Edelman. I, I think a lot of the receivers from the mid-2000s teams that were average receivers that he really turned into, Tom Brady, that has turned into to great receivers. So I, I look at this Bucks team right now, and I don't know a whole lot about their depth at the receiver position. Obviously, if they're talking about Terrell Owens, who's 48, they must not have as much depth as they would like to have at this point. But I, I have a feeling, again, having watched Tom Brady's entire career over the last 20 years, he's not the guy you bet against. In fact, in these situations, this is the time I would bet against him the least because he always seems to find a way to make somebody into a star and to to, maybe not a a star for a long period of time for, you know, a Jerry Rice type career. He'll make them a star for a game. He'll make them that that guy who made the great catch in one, one game in their career and then you look back and say they won that they won that game or they, won, they ended up winning the Super Bowl that year because that guy had a great catch. So Tom Brady, he, he's kind of like everything he touches is gold. He's not a guy to bet against, even at 44 or 45. And until the Bucks get knocked out of the playoffs, if that should happen, I would not bet against them. No, you got a great point. I, I've been watching Man in Arena. There's 10 episodes in total. So far, they released the first eight. I have watched all eight. And I, because I want to learn more about Tom Brady, and I'll tell you, you're right. You don't bet against him. He's an ultimate competitor. I'm like, what makes him so great? And he's about team. Working, he's willing to make the sacrifices. You know, he's willing to invest in his body with Alex Guerrero, his uh, trainer, and he's willing to put the work in. And not only that, what makes him great is that he finds way to challenge himself. To him. This is a challenge because Antonio Brown not only is not part of the team, puts more pressure on Brady, people are going to be like, well, can you do it now without Antonio Brown? And on top of it, Antonio Brown is taking shots against you. So that just motivated Tom Brady (laughs) even more. Yeah, 100%. Against his right-hand man. If you watch that that man in the arena, when you're dissing Alex Guerrero, you are dissing Tom Brady because that is is his right-hand man. Alex probably knows more about Tom Brady than his own wife. I mean, he knows a lot. They hang out together all the time, you know, and if Tom needs a treatment to give you a small snippet, Alex Guerrero will fly or go wherever he's at to give it to him. Literally drop yeah. everything he's at. I mean, yeah. and, and one last thing I want to say about Alex Guerrero is Antonio Brown let his account number out on Twitter, as I mentioned earlier, Just think about that. Alex Guerrero, check this out. (laughs) Alex Guerrero, AB asked for Alex Guerrero to return $100,000 because he's no longer going to be a member of the team and he prepaid for services that he's not going to use. And Alex Guerrero said, no problem. Let me give you back your $100,000. Where should I send it to? And And then AB puts his account number. You're pretty boss. If you're a trader and you're just giving back money, $100,000, <laughs> I mean, with no questions asked, I mean, you're a boss. I know that these guys are making money, but if you're a trader and you, you have to return $100,000, most people are like, oh, my goodness, oh, baby, they would have, like, it would have ruined their, their year. 2022 would have been ruined right there off the bat. Like, okay, where do I send the money? A hundred grand. That's boss. That's boss move right there. So props to Alex Guerrero. You can just give somebody back a hundred thousand dollars, like it's like you're giving back ten dollars. That's boss move. 
I don't care. That's well, he'll he'll make that he'll make that tenfold from other clients. I mean, let, let's let's be honest there. That'll happen yeah. easily. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, any business you just say, okay, okay, I, I, no problem. Where do I send it? Where do I send it to? You know, and he gave him his account number, and he po- he posted up the screenshot, and I'm like, AB, why would you put your account number? Like, stop, put the phone down. That's privy information. <laughs> and he did say he's going to give you his money back. Like. No, you don't have to post it up there. But I was like, man, that's pretty boss. Hundred thousand dollars, you're just giving it back to him. No questions asked. No questions asked, Aaron. That's that's cool, man. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> so that's his trainer. So you know he he he's he stacking some chips. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, that's for yeah, sure. But, and you wanted to talk about um, no, not to switch gears, but you wanted to talk about college football. Yeah, we'll, we'll briefly hit on that. Um, very predictable that we ended up in this position of Alabama versus Georgia. I think that, um, you know, obviously the way that the playoff was set up, this was pretty much opposite of what I wanted to see happen. Um, but it was very predictable. I, I think there was a 95% chance this was what was going to be the final result. Um, I think that, and we can save this for another another night, the playoff does need to be expanded. I've mentioned this before. I think the perfect number is six, where you have the top two teams with a first-round bye, kind of like the NFL playoffs are. Um, but I, I think that the current format, what they could do to, to maybe help it out a little bit is instead of one playing four, one, number one seed playing number four seed, and two playing three, have it where there's two spots between each of the games that are played. So you have one play three and two play four. Who cares if Georgia and Alabama play each other in the first round? At least you would guarantee that a non-SEC team might actually have a chance to win in the final. Um, to me, that would have been more of an appropriate way to do it. But, again, they never asked for my opinion, which is fine with me. So, um, But as far as um, – I know Lou was saying he thinks it's going to be a close game. I think it will be a close game if there are no turnovers – um, I think it could be a blowout on, on either side, honestly, if there are some miscues from either, either team. Um, Georgia's defense at times this year, I think they had one or two games this year, obviously when they lost in the SEC title game, that was one of the two. There might have been one other game this year where they did not look, they were the, the high-caliber defense. But this is one of the best defenses we've seen in college football in 20 plus years. I mean, we're talking about back into the late nineties, early two thousands, Oklahoma teams, that kind of defense, which is just absolutely shut them down. Um, shut down the pass, shut down the run game. If Georgia can do that on Monday night, I think they'll win, but I have a feeling, I mean, Bryce Young just won the Heisman trophy. He threw for 500 plus yards. I want to say, I can't remember if that was in the SEC title game or if that was in the the, the playoff game here recently, but I mean he's just he he's got protection like Tom Brady does on the line. He's got receivers that can make big plays happen out of nothing. They can run down the field in two or three plays from their own ten yard line. So Alabama, you know, if they can string together a few of those, I I, I give Alabama the slight edge just because their experience is there. I think this is going to be like a 38 to 35, you know, 42 to 38 type of game where whoever has the ball at the end is probably going to end up winning. And it might even go to overtime like it did 
when these two teams played each other in the title game four years ago. So I think I'll see what happens. Yeah, it should be interesting to see. It's going to be a great matchup. And I'm going to do something really uh, different for our listeners and viewers on the Allen and Aaron Sports Radio Show. I'm not going to tell you guys who my prediction is. I'm going to actually post it on our page. And I got something really interesting for you to see. So I don't want to spoil the surprise, but I will definitely share who I think is going to win this game. And, yeah, I, I've been saying it for a long time. I agree with you, Aaron, that they should change the format up because it's really it, – it's college with all the teams, and it's basically the same teams over and over every year make it to this point, and it just kind of gets redundant. Like, you feel like they're like the Patriots, but times four. It's basically the same four teams. And I kind of like to see some of the smaller – non-SEC or the teams that are not so big get a chance to get into these games. It would just be good for the collegiate sport. But like you said, I don't think they're going to listen to me anytime soon. Yeah, I have a feeling there's some changes that are coming. Uh, I've been talking with a good buddy of mine who um, really follows college football, probably even more closely than I do. And, you know, a few different ideas out there. One, and again, we'll probably have a show where we talk about this for an extended period of time at some point in the future. One idea would be that the teams who are at the higher end uh, each year would have lesser scholarships the following season. So kind of like in um, NFL, if you win the Super Bowl, you're not going to have a high draft, unless you trade it for it, of course, you're not going to have a high draft pick the next year. You're going to be picking in the 30s where your first pick comes in again, unless you made a trade. So Thing where it's not necessarily penalizing a team for doing things right or being successful, but it's it's you know making it a little bit more challenging for them, so they're not able to stack the stack the cards. The thing that's really changed here, college football has changed a lot in the last 20 years. The biggest thing that has really changed it used to be we'll go back 20 years ago. It used to be if a player wanted to transfer to another school because he wasn't getting playing time. He had to go ahead and transfer. He had to sit out a year. He also lost that year in eligibility. Well, now you've got guys who from one year to the next can go right from one school to the other without missing a beat. So you've got the transfer portal, which has dramatically changed things. It's almost like, it's almost like a, a waiver trade, if you will, uh, where a guy can go from one program to another. Now you've got this new thing that will be starting this year, which is the name, image, and likeness, where guys are getting paid. So – you add that factor in there, and it's going to be really, really challenging. Eventually, programs and coaches will pick up on the right way to manage all of it, but when it's such a new thing, we really don't know how it's going to play out. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how those things go for the next you know, several years. And the other thing I wanted to kind of throw out there, too, um, obviously the uh, NFL season is going to come to an end here Sunday night, mm-hmm. which means that um, – you know, Pink Slip Monday is coming for some coaches in the NFL. So there's going to be a couple of job <laughs> wow. openings. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of job. I think there's going to be a four or five at least job openings. We already know there's two. We, we're pretty sure that uh, the, the Raiders are going to move on uh, from their interim coach. We know the Jaguars job is available. Um, I would anticipate the Bears, possibly the Texans. Um, it's very possible that Seattle might, uh, might move on. I think that uh, Pete Carroll might might go ahead and retire. Um, so we'll see. There's going to be some very interesting uh, 
potential job openings, and also Minnesota could be another one too. So we'll see what happens there. Those are always going to be interesting things, um, you know, and there's some really good candidates out there too that I think uh, we'll hopefully get an opportunity. No, you're absolutely right. You brought some great points that, you know, there's some great candidates out there. I hope they get an opportunity. And, you know, in Seattle, we don't know if Russ is going to be back. But if Pete Carroll, if it is the end for him, I got to give him props because a lot of collegiate coaches usually statistically do not do well in the NFL. And Pete Carroll is the exception to the rule. I still do think he made the biggest bonehead move in Super Bowl <laughs> history <laughs> with the play that we talked about earlier, ironically on this show, with Marshawn Lynch not handing him the ball. Aside from that, though, Pete Carroll has had a very good, very highly respected and renowned NFL career. And you got to give him props because it didn't start off that way for him from the collegiate game. I definitely hope Byron Leftwich does get as hard as it is to let him go, and I'm really going to miss him if he does go. He really helped out the Bucks get a ring, and he's still helping out the Bucks throughout their playoff run. I think the man deserves – I think he deserves an opportunity from one of these teams. And the guys have got a great coach. Uh, he's, he's a great coach. He has a great mind. He calls the plays now for the Bucks. He knows how to motivate players, and he knows how to inspire them. You know, like – even when they won against the Jets, for example, he didn't even let Tom Brady just dap him up sitting down. He pulled Tom Brady to him and gave him a hug. You know, and he, you know, he's like he's letting the GOAT know, I appreciate that play that you made going down the field 93 yards with no timeouts to win the game. And maybe Antonio Brown didn't know this, but I knew this, that the Jets were not going to be an easy win. It did not surprise me at all that the Jets were pouring it on the the, the Bucks to start that game. And, you know, it, it definitely – that the Antonio Brown blow-up did surprise me, but the fact that the Jets were not – were pouring it on them did not. And the reason why I say that is important is because Byron Leftwich made it happen, and he got the Bucks a much-needed win because the Bucks still would have made the playoffs and it would have won the division, but they would have been a much, much lower seed had they lost that game. It was an important game, and they pulled it out. I hope Byron Leftwich gets an opportunity. And I also do feel as if uh, I, I like to see – he slipped my mind, the coach in – you can help me out with this, Aaron, the coach in Kansas City. Uh, uh, Eric Bieniemy. Yeah, Eric Bieniemy. Yeah. Yep. 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 I hope he gets an opportunity too. I think they're well-deserving of them, both him and Byron. I hope they get they get those opportunities. It's to be determined. But uh, I definitely don't want to see them just hire, you know, a coach that didn't deserve the opportunity, like we saw what happened in Jacksonville, and turns <laughs> bad. And I, I just hope they make good hires with the with the coaches that are going to become available. Yeah, there's already been some interviews in Jacksonville. Evidently, uh, I think they already interviewed. Uh... Who was it they, they interviewed this week? I saw something online in the last few days. I want to say they've already interviewed Kellen Moore. He's the offensive coordinator at Dallas. Um, I think Dan Quinn turned down an interview there. He was the uh, defensive coordinator in uh, – former Atlanta head coach, former defensive coordinator uh, in Jacksonville, and, of course, he's Dallas's defensive coordinator now. So somebody from Dallas may be on, or possibly both coaches – on the, off- uh, the offensive and defensive coordinators, maybe gone 
somewhere. Um, who was the other one that was interviewed here recently? The coach, uh, he was with Indianapolis. It was a Jim Caldwell who succeeded uh, Tony Dungy. I believe he also may have interviewed for for um, Jacksonville as well. I think that's what I saw earlier this week. So there's a lot of guys. If I'm Jacksonville, here's what I'm doing, to be honest. I mean, yes, I, I would say personally from the outside looking in, Byron Leftwich makes the most sense for a ton of reasons. Obviously, he's in Florida. He's young. He's a former Jaguar player. These are just things to add to the resume, if you will. He's been successful. He knows the game inside and out as a former quarterback. He has ties to the Jacksonville area. So those are things that are on the surface that make a lot of sense. But if I'm the Jaguars, here's what I don't want to do. I don't want to make the wrong decision twice in a row, especially in such a short order. So if I'm the Jaguars, it doesn't hurt to interview 10 or 15 candidates. Make sure you're getting everybody in there. Find out everything you can about everybody because you and I just sit here and talk about this kind of stuff. We don't know all the intricate details that go on between the owner, the management, the coaching staffs that might be built up in those places. Again, I, I, I really think that the guy who makes the most sense is, is Byron Leftwich. But, you know, interview as many people as you can. Get as good of a candidate field as you can. Because at the end of the day, the next guy you hire, you're hiring for at least the next five, maybe six years at the very minimum. And you want to get that guy who's going to be able to take uh, Trevor Lawrence and whoever you have on your offense and defensive side moving forward and move that football. Because, they, honestly, they don't look like that bad of a team once they start getting some more pieces in there. And if they have the first pick in the draft, uh, Aiden Hutchinson, I think it is, from, from Michigan on the defensive side of the football, they can really start to build a really good team here in the next two, three years. No, you're absolutely right. I, you know, definitely the Jaguars actually do have a very good team. I watch it. Their record doesn't show that, but they do have a very good team. The Jets also actually have a very good team. You actually watch their games. They, they do have a lot, a lot of good things going. It did not surprise me that the Jets were pouring it on, as I mentioned earlier, against the Bucks. They have a very good team. All you need to do when you have teams that have maybe like this uh, record of losing record, just kind of add a player or two, different culture, a couple little tweaks, and you can turn it and you can flip it. You know? That's exactly That's what it's about. Yeah, I, I will it, say this. I will say this, and I texted Lou earlier this week. I think he thought I was joking with him, but I had uh, I had sent him a text when the, the Jets were up by 10 or 11 points, um, probably in the third quarter. Uh, the text actually said, J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. He didn't reply to it until the game was over. So by then, I don't know if that's when he saw it or not, but by then I'm sure he was thinking I was just trying to you know get under his skin a little bit. I actually thought they played really great. I, I thought that uh, their quarterback uh, uh, looked uh, like like a veteran quarterback. Obviously, there were some some missteps in there too. But Robert Saleh, their head coach, you know, I, I, you culture. That, that's the big thing in the NFL is culture. If you have a bad culture, which is what Jacksonville had mostly throughout this entire season, from the head coaching position all the way down, it's going to be hard to to find a rhythm it's going to be hard to hard, it's going to be hard for guys to bond together and play to accomplish that one goal of, of winning a game so I think what Robert Saleh has done in New York you know this is a not a very good year you've won four games you're going to go either go five and 12 or four and 13 so yeah ultimately at the end of the day it wasn't a successful year but if next year you can win four more games than you won this year you're 
nine and eight or eight and nine, then 2023 comes down the line or 2024 comes down the line, you could be a a 12 win team and suddenly the Jets are right back in a competitive position. So I like that move. I like that that he has uh, certainly changed the expectations and has, um, in my opinion, done a really good job with the Jets this year. I think they they've they went through some retread coaches in the past with uh, Adam Gase, and then before that, I think they at one point had um, uh, Eric Mangini, who had been with the Browns. They just seem to always make the wrong decisions, and I think hopefully this time for the Jets and for their fans that uh, Robert Saleh is the right guy. No, I think he is. He's a great coach. He's, I love what he's doing. It took, him, it took a little while for him to find themselves, but you know what? I love his energy, his passion on the sidelines. The players love him, and I think they're going to turn things around there in, in well, I guess New Jersey, the New Jersey Nets, but uh, the New Jersey Nets. I, I just think, um, yeah, it, it, you know, th- that was a controversy that happened this week, but that they're suing them, but I know they call them the New York Jets, but the thing about it is I definitely do think they're going to do big things there. They have a great nucleus, great team, and, and that just goes to show you, you know, culture makes a difference. That's one of the great things that I did learn by watching Man in the Arena. I wanted to really know what makes the Patriots so great, and I got my answer already. The culture, guys hold each other accountable. It's really about the team. You know, you cannot be a player that you're looking for, you know, just trying to be an eye guy, just want to get your catches, want to get your money and your check, want to have great stats, and that's all you're playing for. You probably don't want to go on the Patriots as a player. If you want to go on the team and be a team player and have a great opportunity to win, get a bunch of wins, go to the playoffs and have a chance to win a Super Bowl, then you go to the Patriots. But you're going to have to make a sacrifice of not just being the guy that's going to get be the only guy. Meaning, you guess you can be a Randy Moss and get a bunch of catches. That can happen, but it's going to happen as a team effort. It's not going to happen because you're a guy who can catch a bunch of balls and that's all you're thinking about. You're going to have to yeah. still play team ball. Yeah, that's no, Great point there for sure. So, well, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, obviously, this will be a, a great, great final week of the season. Um, we'll update sometime this uh, next week our final uh, picks for the year as far as who won. Alan, I believe last time I looked, you had a four-game lead, so it's pretty slim chance that I'll be able to catch up with you. It was a great year, though. I had a lot of fun uh, making these selections and everything. Uh, we'll post all those here as the week goes by. Anything else you want to add uh, here before we end our show for tonight? Yeah, I did want to mention that, uh, you know, my take on Jake Paul, who is Sports Illustrated Breakout Box of the Year. I know a lot of people mention that, whether he's deserving of the award. I think he is. I think Jake Paul brings a lot of great things to the sport of boxing. I know that a lot of people are very hard on him, but he does pay. For example, Amanda Serrano, which is a great female boxer, she finally got paid over a million dollars after 40-plus fights because Jake Paul put her on the undercard and actually paid her a good amount of money. You know, Jake Paul is, is definitely willing to pay people on his undercard a lot of money. And besides the money attribute, he brings a lot of publicity to this sport. He is working to get better. One of my The reason why I bring this up also is because one of my cousins 
basically asked me to set up a fight with Jake Paul as a sparring session in Miami. And that's where <laughs> Jake Paul <laughs> and he was serious. That's where Jake Paul trains in Miami. And I told him, I said, listen, he said, well, just give me six months. I'll train real hard and I can beat him. I'm going to tell everybody on our show, just like I told my cousin. <laughs> and he was serious. My cousin is one of these guys that when he gets an idea in his head, it's in his head. He really believes that if he trains for six months, he will beat Jake Paul in a sparring session. And I told him, I said, listen, Jake Paul has been training really hard for about two and a half, three years. Yes, he only has five professional fights, and he hasn't fought yet a professional boxer, but he's not a beginner and he's not a novice. If you come in with just six months of training or working out, you're not going to walk in there as an amateur or beginner and beat him. A beginner boxer is not going to beat Jake Paul. You're going to have to be a guy who actually intermediate or pretty good boxing experience and is willing to beat him round per round. Not coming in here trying to get one knockout punch. You're not going to beat him that way. You have to beat him round by round, and then if a knockout happens, it happens. But Jake Paul, the reason why I bring that up is because I do believe Jake Paul is very good for boxing because he does bring a lot of eyes to sport. It's not anything negative. He doesn't do anything, you know, theatrics. He's not walking off like AB. He's not doing anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> he he talks trash, but he backs it up, and the guy is a big draw. If you can get right where I'm at, over 20,000 people to go to Amelie Arena, which is not a huge boxing area, over 20,000 people to watch your fight, you are doing something right. So I do think, congratulations, Jake. Paul for being a breakout boxer year. I do think he's great for boxing. And Jake Paul is another person who on the Allen Aaron Sports Radio Show, we would love to have him on our show. If he's hearing this, please feel free to let us know that and we'll make it happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Any any I mean we'll we certainly want guests on our program and definitely he would be a, a great one to have for sure. So um so Alan, this is a great uh, great way to start off the uh, the new year. Definitely uh, glad to have Lou on our program here tonight. I uh, always enjoy his um, his takes on the different uh, things that are going on uh, in the uh, in the sports world. Uh, definitely glad to be able to hear from you again. And we will be back here next Friday, uh, which we will start talking about the NFL playoffs. Obviously, uh, all of the brackets will be out at that point. Uh, we'll be talking about that, and we'll even be posting uh, throughout the week as well where we think things will go um, as far as the different uh, levels of the NFL playoffs, which will start here a uh, week from tomorrow. So for Alan and for Lou, this is Aaron. We're signing off for the night, and hopefully everybody has a great week. Thank you for listening to the Evan and Aaron's Postal Podcast. Subscribe and check out us on your favorite social media platform. Thank you.